podcast that looks at tech under the hood. I'm your host, Owen Williams, and joining me today is your co-host, John Edgar. How are you doing, John? Hey, Owen. It's John coming to you live from New York. Well, actually, from Williams. Well, Ooh. I guess Williamsburg, Brooklyn, and New York are all the same thing. Very specific. Next week, are you going to give yeah. us your uh, entire address? Yep. <laughs> nice. We'll, uh, we'll do live podcasting at John's house. All of us. How's your, how's your, oh, I wouldn't mind if people came over for the show. That would be pretty fun. <laughs> it would actually be pretty fun. There? How's Amsterdam? Oh, it's fantastic. It's Amsterdam. It's good. It's, uh, well, it's overcast and drab. Uh, somebody actually mentioned to me the other day that they love that we mention the weather <laughs> all the time on this. And I'm like, it's not, it's not that great, <laughs> but I love it. Um, yeah, so uh, the first thing I wanted to say this week is it's crazy. We uh, reached a milestone for the podcast, which was pretty exciting. We had 32,000 downloads so far, what, what, which what? is just crazy. That's pretty good. So thanks to everybody who listened so far. We appreciate it. It's I was kind of like looking at the number like, that can't be right, but it is. So that's pretty cool. Now I've got performance anxiety. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we can't do this now. That's it for this week. Uh, All right, thanks. Pack <laughs> <Back> up. <laughs> Right. <laughs> no, okay. Uh, so, a lot of shit to get through this week, I think. Silly billies. Yeah. There's a lot of shit to right. get through. So, let's there do is. it. So, the first thing, before we talk about Google endlessly, because Google I.O. was this week, is something that was quite surprising. Nokia, or the company formerly known as Nokia, the one that was left over after Microsoft acquired all their assets and the phone manufacturing business and the developers and all that good stuff bought back the rights to make phones from Microsoft this week, which is <laughs> all kinds of bizarre to me. So a company called HMD. So the way it worked is Nokia, the actual Nokia, uh, was it Nokia or Nokia? I'm going to call it Nokia. It doesn't matter. I think it's Nokia. They, I, don't, I don't think it depends on where you're from. I think it's Nokia. I think that feels like the European way to say I it. I feel like Americans <laughs> might say Nokia. 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 Yeah. But I think I, growing up in the UK, we would always say Nokia. Nokia. Okay. Nokia. No, so, so Nokia. Yeah, we'd say it that way in New Zealand. Uh, they. So the company that was left over after Nokia was sold... Wow, this is getting confusing. Yes, the company that was left over after Nokia sold its brand wasn't allowed to make phones for, I think it was three to five years. But Microsoft has all but given up on that acquisition. They wrote it down last year. That I think it was $1.5 billion were written off as part of that. Mm. And basically the Nokia company, the actual Nokia, bought back the rights to use the brand and has licensed it to a company called HMD. And HMD happens to be made up of ex-Nokia engineers. So they're going to be making Android phones. And it's actually, I think it's actually going to be pretty awesome. I mean, they were, before they were selling, you know, when they were working on Harmattan and Mego and all that good shit, they were actually making nice phones. The Lumia phones that came out first were pretty awesome. I think Windows Phone was probably the part that wasn't so appealing. So it's going to be interesting. I think it'll take them a long time to get to market, but Maybe there'll be some sort of like nice premium phone to take on yeah. Samsung and all these like it could be awesome. There's some interesting things. Like a Nokia are, Nexus. Yeah, there's some interesting things that are tied up in that whole thing too, I think. So Right. Nokia had amazing maps, I remember. And then didn't yep. a conglomerate of car manufacturers purchase Nokia's maps? Yep. And then also, I seem to recall remembering that 
Um, is it Foxconn involved in this somehow as well? I feel like uh, yeah. So Foxconn, uh, Foxconn got the um, the feature phone business off Microsoft. So Microsoft has basically given up on manufacturing phones. The way I interpret this, but isn't Foxconn? This is a guy don't they make practicing trumpet next door? <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> don't f- yes, Foxconn makes Apple's phones. So that's a bit odd. It's almost like Foxconn's. Oh, it's the feature phone business, so the the, yeah. the basic phones. Yeah, so I, I guess it makes sense, right? Because that way they're not directly competing with Apple's business. It's just a, it's a kind of like this bizarre thing where they've come full circle back to where they were, hmm. and it makes me think that the whole Microsoft thing is it's a real shame. Thousands of people lost their jobs. I think like Nokia as it was was not doing well, right? They were floundering. They had. Um, I read somewhere twice as many people as Apple's iOS team and they still couldn't ship anything meaningful. So, it, you know, that that's they probably wouldn't have shipped anything anyway, but the whole bloodshed that they went through as part of this deal was just awful. It's, I, I don't know, it, like it feels like the most circuitous route to get back to making phones again to me yeah so i mean though i will it'll be interesting nokia phones were like the bee's knees back in the day everyone yeah everyone had a nokia i think 2280 man that was my jam the snake it was indestructible i think <sighs> beautiful mine phone. was a 5500 that i had everybody had like the specific nokia phone that was like of the year yeah and also <laughs> of like what no mine wasn't a 5500 what was the matrix nokia you see that's what put them on the map the ma- you had the matrix nokia yeah i had the one without the yeah i had the matrix nokia without the flip functionality that's legit that's a nice phone <laughs> so it's, it'll be interesting yeah. anyway i think um if i can get a it'll be a long tail if I can get a cool but, uh, Nokia retro Nokia smartphone that's like the Matrix one, I'll like. Sure. Yeah, except only if it runs Apple's um, iOS. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Mm. I think it's interesting though. The Nokia brand holds a lot of value for a lot of people. Yeah, it's cool. So it's nostalgic. It'll it'll sell well if they make a nice phone. It'll be interesting to watch. <laughs> Let's get into the Google stuff. Uh-oh. So. Google I.O. was yesterday. It's their yearly developer conference where they literally basically announce everything new. And there were a number of major announcements yesterday. I mean, we could we could dissect each one, but I think the most interesting one was that um, Google's has rebranded its assistant, formerly known as Google Now, as Google Assistant. <laughs> so it now operates a little bit like Siri. It basically, it has a voice. It answers you. It You can ask it anything. It it's kind of like cutesy. It, it's very cool, but it takes Siri to the next level because it's contextual, right? You can you can get it to book you movie tickets. You can get it to, well, you can get it to do anything. If you ask it, what's that movie with Jennifer Lawrence? And then it's like, oh, The Hunger Games. And you're like, oh, cool. Who else is in it? Siri would fall apart at that point usually because it's like, oh, uh, what is it? Um, but Google's assistant knows what whatever you're referring to is probably like this or maybe some other thing that you've already asked it. So it's really interesting. I thought it was a really cool demo yesterday as well. Like, I don't know if you watched it, John, but I was kind of blown away by how much it just made Siri look like an egg timer. What movie is Jennifer Aniston in? Here's what I found on the web for what movie is Jennifer Aniston in. Who else is in that movie? 
<laughs> Let me think about that. Here's what I found on the web for who else is in that movie. Oh, so it Google it, oh. it Googled who else is in that movie. Yeah, it didn't even pick up the, the movie, and that's the that's the big weakness. I mean, Siri, Siri just. It just made Siri look ridiculous, man. Yeah, the, the, that's, I was, I was so good at that stuff. Like that's uh, pretty close to their core competency. They're gonna, they have a. If it, does it have an API? Can you build on top of it? Uh, it doesn't look like it has an API yet. No, but neither does Siri. I imagine well, that the, Google will be very fast. Alexa does. Yes, Alexa does have an API, but they don't have Google's search smarts. So it's going to be a bit of a war on that front, I think. It'll be interesting to see if Google wants to, un- like, you know, license that technology to other smart assistants as well. Because if Google made a partnership with Alexa, it wouldn't really matter, you know. Yeah, would they do that? Probably not. No. I don't think it would be smart. It's. I thought it was a uh, yesterday was a very very good demo. I was I was um, I was impressed by that. But then Google took it to the next level by directly competing with Alexa, which we all know you're a big fan of. So Google's got its own home device now that looks basically like an air freshener it looks <laughs> it really does it like does every time really i see sleek. it i think it's pretty yeah it's beautiful it fits in with the home man like it looks it does it, it's kind of like innocent looking i really like it so it's it's basically a small speaker that sits on top of your bench you can actually change um the base of it to fit in with its surroundings which is pretty cool and you can just say okay google in your house and it will listen just like alexa really but it has Google's search engine smarts. And the interesting thing about it is they've also got proactive things in it. So, I mean, I haven't spent much time with Alexa, but I don't think it's proactive, is it? No. Because this can use Google Inbox. You know, Google Inbox is amazing because every time I'm like using doing a flight, it pulls it to the top and it's like, your flight is today and it's on track. So now the Google Home thing will actually do that as well. You'll get a little like whoop and you can say, what is it, Google? And it's ah, it'll say, so oh, cool. your flight's been delayed by 30 minutes. Oh. And I'm like, oh, what? I like this. So thing. I'm really, I'm really keen to try it, man. That's, I'm, I was really impressed. The demo made me think this is, this is what Alexa should be. So it's, it'll be interesting to see how that pans it's out. It's also wild because Google has the ability to do deep integration with Uber where other companies don't because Everybody. of their, yeah. because of their, um, their investment in Uber and their, their, their existing partnerships with Uber, because I, I don't know if it works in, in uh, Amsterdam, but on Google Maps, when you put in a location and then it, you have the option of like car, walking, biking or transit is sometimes it says or it'll be three minutes if you or like 15 minutes if you call an Uber now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I've seen so, it. You, I'm sure you'll be able to be like, how far is it? How long is it? What's the traffic to work today? Okay, call me an Uber mm. so that I get there at this time. If it, you can do that, that's like some next level shit. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I saw during the demo that you can order a car from it. So, I mean, you can imagine that they'll do it. I just I just love the the proactive stuff. A lot of people were saying it's, it's silly and gimmicky because you've got your phone. But like at home, I don't necessarily have my phone. I don't check it. When I'm yeah, on the couch, so my, if the um, thing can just be like, I use my Apple Watch whoop. a lot at home. Yeah, sure. So but this is even like a better evolution of yeah. that, right? So, but you know, honestly, well, it'll be interesting to see if the Apple TV sneaks something like this into it, and then I would just use <sighs> the Apple TV and the Apple ecosystem. I would, 
I would love it, but I just feel like Apple can't compete in this area because it doesn't have the data. And I've, I've read a lot about how Apple fights constantly internally because they have those, uh, the privacy Caesars or whatever they are, what that, um, they have to argue with to get access to data. Privacy Caesars. Well, <laughs> Yeah, what is it? yeah something like that. They have they have these people internally who actually block and vet all requests for data from different teams. Yeah, that's cool. And while it's really cool for the consumer, it also means that their products are stunted. I mean, if you look at Siri, it yes, it does keep your privacy, which is very cool, but it can't do most of the cool stuff that Google's doing because they don't have any of that data on you, right? Mm-hmm. So. I, I'm on the fence about it because I'm like, wow, it's super creepy that Google knows everything about me. But holy shit, that Google Home thing is cool. Yeah, I, I, you know, like there's a certain point where you you give up the privacy for the cool thing, and I know that's awful. And I'm sure, like, if Edward Snowden was listening to this, he'd be like, ah. But I don't know. I, I I thought the tech demo was really cool, and it really made what Apple's doing look like a silly toy, or you know, like Siri looks like an egg timer. The only thing I use Siri for is egg timers and alarms you know so i i really hope that they can up their game yesterday's demo just made google's tech look super cool and made me want an android phone and i know that i'll probably regret saying that but it, it was cool so you know me, but the crazy I'm thing is google home boy, so. no date yeah i'm look i'm an apple fanboy too i have like a macbook here i have an apple watch i have an iphone but there's something about how slow apple is being with ios and how they're not pushing when was the last iOS release that you were like, wow, that's the coolest feature I've ever seen? Sure, they've sure they've like had really cool uh, stuff like that finally opened up for developers and they had the Apple Watch, but there was nothing in the last two releases of iOS that was, wow, this is groundbreaking. Yeah. And, you know, the Siri updates have been incremental. Apple Maps has been disappointing. Apple Watch is fine, but it's basically gone nowhere. Apple is first with this stuff but it just doesn't seem to go any further. And that's what I'm worried about. So it's going to be interesting to see how, cause Apple, so Apple just made that investment in that Chinese car company, uh, yeah. rideshare company. Apple also a is working dollars. on self-driving cars and, mm-hmm. um, Google has its investment in Uber and is also working on self-driving cars. And, Uber is working on self-driving cars in their ATC. Yeah, there's like you you can see how all these like interesting periphery technologies and like how all of the investments and stuff like that all stack to what look to be the more and more that we talk about it over weeks over weeks is like relatively similar roadmaps between Apple, Amazon and uh, Google, which is interesting. I think it's also symptomatic of, um, and this might be controversial, but almost a slowdown in tech. I saw a very good presentation last week that was talking about how a lot of the booms in computing are coming to an end, like Moore's law, they're struggling with that kind of thing. And so you're seeing a lot of innovation in these periphery areas that connect up the experience rather than kind of go and just blow everything out of the water all over again. You know, I mean, tech is always moving forward and you, (laughs) I mean, you and I see that every day. But it is the the breakthrough changes of transistors are starting to slow. So we're starting to see other areas like the self-driving cars and AI. I mean, it's all on the software side now and even, you know, smaller yeah. and smaller processing power. So it's it's really it's really a fundamental turning point, I think. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion, but 
it's interesting to yeah, see them all converging on the same ideas. Yeah, we've talked, I think, before about the kind of how we've had the first commoditization of silicon and hardware and like, you know, the laptop becoming relatively ubiquitous in the first world. And then now we've gone through the the software revolution and we've come, we're coming out of that software is effectively free at this point. You know, it costs near next to nothing to, to make. And so I think a lot of people are saying the innovations that we're going to see over the next 10 years are less so on the actual innovation on the technologies themselves other than the stuff in quantum and vr and and kind of automation ai ar were it's all about the application of those technologies right that's where the the innovation is going to come from the solution of the technologies that the solutions the solutionization of the technologies that we have today um and I think that's, I hope that I, that's really the shift that we should see in the Valley. And that's probably the shift that we should see in, in startup generally is like, okay, how are you using all of this free stuff to, to, to solve really complicated, uh, interesting real world problems? It's a, it's a bigger, it's a bigger issue now, right? So before it was big breakthroughs relied on the underlying technology breakthroughs, be it Moore's law or internet connectivity exponentially increasing, but you don't, they can't rely on that now. And I think that's why you're starting to see both the slowdown, uh, which is maybe not completely obvious yet because we're still on the kind of like tail end of that. And we're starting to also see, you know, as you say, everybody converging. It's, it's a very interesting time to work in tech. That's, that's for sure. I, I, software engineers are going on sale and, I I don't know what this means for like the bigger picture economy and stuff. You th- you see Uber testing self-driving cars. You see she- the Chevy Bolts. There's the Chevy's deep in testing at self-driving Chevy Bolts. Um, and then uh, I was just reading this week that an ex-Googler has uh, started a company that's doing self-driving trucks. Um, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's so and then you kind of think about that in the context of the industries that it disrupts. And then you think about that socioeconomic economically and the people that actually do those jobs. So taxi drivers, drivers, uh, and there's an amazing, uh, medium post that you should put in the show notes, um, around about basic income, which, you know, say what you will or won't about it. There's a lot of different ways to, to think about providing a baseline of baseline income equality for, for people in a world where, we have automated a large percentage of our manual work, manual labor workforce. And that, and that is what we're coming into over the next, you know, 20 to 30 years. Um, I don't know that it's been well under, I don't know, like, I don't know how deeply these technologists that are working on these, these self-driving things and AI and, and robotics and stuff actually think about that impact but i hope it's deeply because it's it is actually real impact i mean uh i this is only tangentially related but i think that uh, a lot of them are hyper aware i mean i i read this anecdote that um when facebook employees uh 
join the Oculus team, they all get handed a copy of Ready Player One, which I don't know if you've read it, but that's basically like yeah. the the uh, future state of what VR is going to do to us, which is, you know, this like dystopian world where everybody escapes to VR because the world itself is awful. And I hate maybe that's like, that's how this all ends. I'm going to put that in the show notes, by the way, because that book is fantastic. So I'm, I'm sure they're hyper aware of it, but I'm not sure that... I think the thing is that they realize what they're doing, but the thing is they have to keep moving forward because otherwise somebody else will do it, right? Like that's ultimately Pandora's box is open. So yeah, it's true. it's going to play out regardless. And I think the truck thing was really interesting because that that is an incredibly, incredibly precise niche they're going for. They're, they're literally pursuing existing trucks on highways. That's all they're targeting. And that is like... 95% of truck driving, you know, that's yeah. most of the truck drivers interstate. So this guy, the, the basic income post that Scott, his name's Scott uh, Santon, Santons, I think. Um, and he basically, like, he has this map in the post, like you really should post, uh, post and people should read it but yeah it'll be in the show um, notes and it's just it's stark it's a map of the united states and it shows all of the states and then in it is just the the most common job in each of the u.s states in 2014 ah yes and yep it's 3.5 million professional truck drivers and 5.2 million people who are employed within the truck driving industry who don't drive trucks that's almost 10 million truck related jobs wow phenomenal yeah i mean we're just gonna uh, yeah if uh, if you think about that and then 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 just like in a completely different thought go and read ed glazer's books the triumph of city and then think about those two things together it's it's very interesting how the next 60 to 100 years could play out based on what what kind of time frame do you think it is uh like realistically I don't know. We should get Ed on the phone and ask him. But um, yeah. I think, well, we're going to. So basically, I guess what would happen is if if we saw less trucks stopping in middle America at truck stops and stuff like that. So we had more right. battery, more solar. You could do longer shifts so people didn't need to stop and stuff like that. What would have to happen? And then so all these middle America truck driving towns would dry up because the trucks would stop stopping and those towns are primarily set up with like one or two restaurants one or two gas stations one doctor two teachers population of 65 70 people right we're gonna see a massive migration of those people into the metropolitans and that's actually the the thesis of ed glazer's book the triumph of city is that uh, there's no way that these small middle America and, and probably that will be applicable to like and more globally, but we'll probably see it feel it first here. Um, right. we'll see that we'll see a mass migration to major metropolitans, um, which is actually part of why we do the work that we do at my company. Um, cause we think that cities are going to get big and really, really big and really, really dense. And that actually I go as far as to think that cities will themselves become the really the driving GDP force and that a lot of trading will start to happen between cities and that we'll see uh, greater and greater insular supply chains within cities. But anyway, that's the, <laughs> that's a whole other thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I think we've touched on it a few times. It's very interesting times. And I think that a lot of 
people are very aware of this and I mean sure there's been a lot of you know since the if you look at the 50s to now there was a phenomenal amount of change but I don't know if we're quite prepared for how much change could be in the next phase and it's a different kind of change it's not like I mean it's yeah, a society, everything it's a societal from, shift yes it's 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 going to be a big one I it's going to be interesting to see how over the next couple of years I, there's a great post on um, one of my favorite blogs uh, called wait but why and it's just like this stupid blog this guy like right uh, draws everything in Microsoft paint and he's just he's just a very very smart guy and it's a post about AI and you know how AI always feels like it's really far away and that's because the the work involved in AI I'm going to put this in the show notes as well but anyway so the work involved in AI basically it moves quite slowly until a certain point and then you have this uh, he, mm-hmm. I think he calls it a cliff yeah and you you when you're standing in front of the cliff you don't know that it's you know that close but uh, as soon as the cliff passes you the AI is already so far ahead that you have no idea and that's that's kind of like the phase that we're in with a lot of this stuff now is it's so it's either very far away or it's so close that we have no idea what's about to happen so I'll put that post. It's it's probably one of the best, most informed reads about AI and all this kind of thing in the show notes because it's and it's very well illustrated. So I'll put it there. It's fantastic. Um, man, this is a bit of doom and gloom. I'm sure we'll talk about this many, many no, more I like times. It. I think this is important stuff. I, yeah, I love it. I think I like that we get into this stuff. And I would actually like for people to uh, leave us some feedback or email in or something and let us know if people like our more existential talk or if they just want us to stick to tech reporting. Well, yeah, what, what would be... Yeah, what we'd be really interested in is hearing um, if anybody has any questions as well. So if they want us to talk about a topic or, you know, if they think that it's terrible or whatever, we'd love to hear from people on at Charged Tech on Twitter or at OW or at Jedgar or all three because, uh, you know, we're, we're happy to talk about whatever. We're here speaking to hang about, out. And so, sorry, speaking us. of reoccurring themes, though. Um, yes. And I think people do like it when we talk about this. I saw that you had put something <laughs> about Theranos, my favorite subject to talk about. Oh my god, it's ah, it's. Bad. I don't know this, so I'm I'm curious to hear what happened. Yeah, so overnight, I guess, like uh, probably very late New York time yesterday, Theranos voided all its results for its Edison machine, and that is that's two years worth of results. Sorry, that's something in the order of ten thousand tests, and so the the Edison machine is basically the. Um, is that that's the one where they could pinprick your finger and run the test I think and mm-hmm. that's a huge admission for a company that basically exists because of that technology and that technology is in Walgreens and a lot of pharmacies it's actually being used in the real world and they pulled the data because it was unreliable and they reissued tests and it's like holy shit these guys have messed up big time they and they maintained this whole time that they were right and the tests are wrong. And this is not like, this is not your typical startup fuck up, right? Like, oh, the servers are down or whatever. No, this is stuff that people made decisions based on this. I was reading an anecdote about a doctor that sent a patient to the emergency room because of it. It's like, oh my goodness. It's just, and this is similar to the uh, the other company we talked about last week, Xenefits. It's like circumventing all these regulations is starting to have crazy effects on actual people now yeah. this is this is it's 
I would, it boggles my mind. And like, I, we've talked about this before and it's just, I find it incredibly, incredibly frustrating that we, I mean, we did this, like we bred this mentality of running into highly regulated industries. You know, Travis started with Uber and, and we see Airbnb doing it and we see Theranos and we see, and like, no, that's not how you do this. Slow and steady wins the race. Real disruption happens at the very, very bottom. And so like, right. it's just crazy. And to recall all of the tests from an entire platform, I can't, I can't imagine that's ever actually happened before. I just seems intense. Do you think this is recoverable? I mean, they have a lot of money, but can they recover with Elizabeth Holmes in charge still? I don't know. It's it's like systematic, right? And it, I, I think that this shows that the, either the machine doesn't work or, well, the machine doesn't work. Yeah. The crazy thing about this is the Walgreens people, they apparently rushed the deal through to get Theranos in there and didn't do the normal due diligence and even gave the company loans to get into the stores. And then the, all of the people who are culpable for it at Walgreens have oh, left. Wow. So it's like, oh my God, there's like literally nobody to Wild. pin it to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, yeah. They, I mean, it's even says here, they sent one person to the emergency room for abnormally elevated test results in 2014. This one, this one uh, anonymous practitioner. It's like unbelievable. Well, they should definitely pull out of doing anything publicly now and go back to just like trying to f- like MVP this thing and figure out what if like what the hell is going on. Like I would. This Theranos comes back as like a free to play. Lay everybody off and start, start again. I think, I think that there must be underlying tech for them to have come this far, but they, they rushed it. Whatever they did, yeah, the they Wall did Street it wrong. Journal said that they had a partnership with Siemens. So I presume that they were working with Siemens on the, the machine. Interesting. Well, I'm sure this will play out a lot more. We have one last thing to talk about today, I think. And that's Product Hunt is finally mon- mon- monetizing, 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 <laughs> monetizing. It's been a long week. Uh, yeah, it's actually finally letting people pay for stuff. Um, they've launched a new store, basically, kind of like uh, I was going to say like Etsy, but they there used to be that that um, really awesome tech site that was like Grand Central or whatever it was and that got acquired by Etsy. And it, it makes me think of that. So now you can just buy stuff. If you see it on Product Hunt, you can buy it. And it's completely logical. Illogical, actually. Um, but oh, yeah, it's it's logical. But they have to take a cut somehow. It's very. I mean, it's I like very it. very cool. But it'll be interesting to see how many people let you let them take a cut. Do you right? use product hunt almost daily. Mm-hmm. Well, that's. I think I'm like user seven hundred or something. Yeah, I'm pretty early too. Yeah, I mean, I, I love product hunt. I think what they've done is very cool for tech. I think that my two cents on them would be that eventually I think they're kind of reaching that point where user growth is probably waning a little bit because that, you know, they, they are trying to expand into other categories. It seems to me like they just want to be like the Reddit for things, which is, I mean, that's perfect, but there's a lot of pressure for there to be a new thing every day. Um, and I think they're coming up against that now. So I think the next couple of weeks will be really interesting. Uh, weeks, even months, will be really interesting to see how that plays out for them if they can keep up the momentum. Well, that Hoover kid, he's pretty damn smart, so I'm sure he'll figure it out. Yeah, I like Ryan a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, do you want to hear a funny thing? Yes. So I got a new Mac, 
and it's the MacBook. And so I had to download Audacity to install or for us to do the podcast this week. So I downloaded Audacity, Audacity, and I went to install it. And you know how they have that uh, you can't install or you can't open an application from an unidentified developer thing? Yes. So I went into the system preferences to change it in the gatekeeper setting to uh, allow any developer. Yeah. Which is what I usually have it set to. And now it says you can set this setting, but it'll automatically default back to the other setting in 30 days. <laughs> no way. That's new. Yep. That's kind of sneaky. That's crazy, huh? I th- I kind of liked it. No, I was like, that's really smart because... I've had Gatekeeper disabled some, forever. Like, yeah, Gatekeeper is pretty good. I mean, it's how Max keep viruses out, right? I'm going to look at that. It's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. Is someone eating dinner over there? Yes, the just started cooking. So I think it's time to log off. Um. <laughs> All right. We didn't get, we didn't get, we didn't get Tim. Maybe we didn't get Tim this week, but maybe we did, but probably yeah, we did. I think next week. Cause I'm going to France tomorrow. Next week. So, uh, yeah, lovely. Yeah. Hopefully the weather's good. <laughs> we'll talk about that next week. Um, thank you everybody right. for listening. Please let us know if you have any comments, you can get the show notes at podcast.char.gd and we'll see you next week. Thanks for hanging out. John. Cool. Thanks everyone.